Hello and welcome to the January 2022 edition of the What's On Reading podcast and we are recording today in the home of dance in Reading. More specifically, we are in the kitchen um, <laughs> of the home of Liz from Dance Reading, who is joining us as one of our guests today. Hello, Liz. Hi. And uh, joining us in the kitchen, and we've all got mugs of tea, and, and there are no biscuits, and I will be taking this up with her later. <laughs> I didn't think they went well with the podcast recording, the crunching. Crunching of biscuits, probably no, it doesn't. Okay, but sorry. joining us, not munching biscuits, but, uh, but talking all about dance in Reading, we have uh, from... With Sonia Brown. Sonia Brown. Hello. <laughs> and from the Reading School of Dance, we have Josie. Hello. It's great to be with you all today. Liz, I've, I've known for many years, we've met many times, but Josie and Sonia, this is our first time meeting in person, yeah. which is uh, which is quite, this is wonderful. It's really nice to, to finally be able to, to put faces to emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're talking about dance in Reading and there is so much going on at the moment, which is why it felt a good time to to talk about that. And uh, it feels like at least from, from where I sit most of the time, which is, uh, you know, in my office, uh, and there's an asterisk on that, obviously, as, as there is for most of us at the moment, that dance was one of the, the almost one of the slower things to come back out of the pandemic, simply because it, it was one of the things that probably didn't do as well online as, as some of the other arts did. We'll, we'll get onto that in a little bit. But first, it's probably a good time to, to introduce our guests properly. So, Liz, tell our listeners who you are. Whole life story? Or, no, I won't. Um, <laughs> it's not very interesting. So... <laughs> So I'm Liz, I um, run Dance Reading, we are, well, I was going to say recently constituted as a charity, but actually it's not that recent, it just feels like the last two years have been a horrible blur. Our job is to help create a thriving dance landscape in Reading and make sure that everybody can access dance that wants to. Um, so we do that through a programme of community work, but also through uh, bringing sort of larger scale performances into Reading, as well as creating platforms for local performances. So we run a festival, um, which didn't happen last year, but will be happening this November, come rain or shine, and it does in November, both. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be a combination of kind of big dance artists coming into Reading to show their work, local artists creating work specifically through commissions, but also platforming existing work, showcasing young people's work, a whole programme of workshops and professional development. Um, and then our community programme runs alongside. So at the moment, we're just launching dance classes for over 65s. Um, we've got a February half-term action-packed dance music, DJ skills and filmmaking, collaboration with Reading School of Dance and Real Time and Ready Pop. And then there's an ongoing other programme of work as well. We're doing some training for dance teachers around how to work in schools. Yeah, so all sorts of different ways in which we're trying to bring dance back into Reading. There's a lot of dance taking place in Reading, but there aren't very many platforms and there isn't much programming at venues for dance either. So there's a bit that happens at the Hexagon and John at South Street tentatively dips his toe into the physical theatre dance platform every now and then. And we're, we're gently pushing on that, on that platform as well. But what we do is we use community spaces as much as we possibly can to bring dance to where people are and where they're used to performing or seeing things or accessing spaces. And so that means that we end up working with loads of different dance teachers, loads of different dance artists, loads of different community groups, loads of different schools to kind of pull together a programme of interesting things that are happening throughout the year. So it's ever changing and evolving. 
it feels like it's it's the thing that people think is more inaccessible than necessarily the ease of going to a yes. stand-up show or a music gig or yeah, or or even you know even the fact that you can have stand-ups and open mics and and a guy with a guitar in the corner in a pub and whatnot and it's so from a physical sense it's almost you have to go more out of your way to find it which in in and of itself kind of makes it a bit less accessible to to, yeah. to joke you public i think people think of dance as whatever form they've seen most recently or did as a child so that's ballet or it's tap or whatever it might be and then that dance takes place everywhere in everybody's kitchens, my kitchen, where we are now, um, <laughs> and and in all sorts of different forms. And there's but there's a lot of stigma about it. So there's a lot of stigma around. Oh, boys don't dance. Well, of course they do. And if you look at street dance and hip hop and all those other dance forms, they're probably in the majority. But if you're just thinking of ballet, well, yeah, then there's an issue there that needs to be addressed. There's all these kinds of stigmas that stop people accessing it. Throughout the, the lockdowns, when we were allowed to, of course, we were running dance classes for mums and babies in the park. And one of the biggest barriers for them was thinking, oh, no, I'm going to have to learn steps and remember a routine. And I've just had a baby and I'm exhausted and I have no brain capacity left whatsoever. And of course, it's nothing like that. It was simply encouraging them to move, thinking about different parts of their body, focusing on flexibility and strength, and just being in a space with other women who are going through the same thing as them and, and connecting and being a bit creative and, and moving freely and feeling uplifted by that. The, the beauty of dance is that it brings physical activity with creativity in a way that no other art form does. So you're getting mentally fit and physically fit at the same time. And that's hugely beneficial and quickly, it's quickly beneficial as well. You know, you really feel the effects in a really short amount of time. So in any capacity, whatever it is, there's always something you could get involved in, even if you've never danced before. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do, is make sure that there are those opportunities around. I think quite often dance classes can have a reputation of being intimidating because people aren't friendly. So if you've been to any of the drop-in London classes and everybody's there against the wall getting their leg up by their ear and it looks very <laughs> scary, but it's not like that at all. And I think the uh, creative fitness and also the social aspect, yeah. that's huge yeah. because it's a big community. And, and I think we're both, Josie and I, dance schools if someone new comes along everybody will greet them and bring them in and make an effort to talk to them and I, it, I think there's that fear you'll be stood on your own yeah. and everybody just looks at you oh who's a new person yeah. <laughs> but it's not at all no, no. and uh, that kind of takes me neatly because I was I was about to come to you Sonia Ooh. because you first came to my attention with Silver Swans yes um yeah. which is I, I guess the thing you're probably most well known for in Reading because it is such a, a different and unique and wonderful proposition. Yeah, so Silver Swans, it's a scheme that I didn't invent. <laughs> it's made by, it's set up by the Royal Academy of Dance and it's to provide ballet classes for over 50s, but really I can have any any age, but the idea is it's a classical ballet class where you learn technique, but I chop out things like Allegro where you jump, pirouettes where you're fast spinning which if you need a low impact version it's just not accessible so the idea is is anybody who needs a version that's not going to hurt your knees and make you feel really dizzy then you can come along and do a gentler version so it's aimed at over 50s and there's lots of licensees who offer silver swans around the country but every licensee is different because I make my own content of the class and I've got a musical theatre background so I know that my style of ballet is a bit more 
Shall we? Lots of uh, yeah. It's a bit like let's look at the audience. <laughs> Big smiles. Whereas other people come from a royal ballet background and they might be like, yes, come on, girls. <laughs> so um, yeah, and it's it's just taken off, which has been quite nice <laughs> for me as a dance teacher. Yeah. yeah, and um, I remember it was in, in 2019 when the last attempt at the Reading Cultural Awards was, was sort of, it was, it was announced and then, you know, obviously uh, international events happened, but it was kind of open ballots for, for nominations and I think yours was, was one of the most nominated Aww. from the general public. That's government. nice to know, because <laughs> you never know, do you? <laughs> And that's, surprised. and that's when I thought, well, I like to think that I'm fairly well connected in terms of what's going on in terms of arts, culture and heritage in Reading. It is, after all, what I'm paid to do. <laughs> but I was like, how do I not know about this? And, well, uh, I was really new then. So I'm the only licensee in Reading. And that's why I've kind of spread very fast because I'm trying to cover everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I only began in April 19. So by the time the pandemic came in, I hadn't even done a whole year of being open before I had to close and go online which is why it's just so lovely that I've got students who came to my very first ever lesson still attending and we sort of got this sort of big community by being in each other's living rooms online doing ballet <laughs> classes. You worked so hard at that, your, yeah. your innovation and this is true for all of the dance teachers I think across the sector as a whole that when the first lockdown hit everybody immediately had to learn a whole load of new skills, you were all straight yeah. online using really innovative ways to get people engaged and for some dance teachers that worked really well and for others it didn't work as well yeah. some yeah. things just don't translate that well but you did some amazing work with your lot I, I, I won't lie the first two weeks I hated it <laughs> <laughs> I, because we talk a lot like, like I said it's a social thing so when you've got no response back and then oh, I would yeah. unmute everybody for a speaking moment and then <laughs> and you'd, I'd learn to just ramble just just feel empty silence you know I really panicked going into lockdown I was just thinking my students need me they need me they can't can't be left alone without their ballet class because it's so crucial for them it's their social life mm -hmm. it's their yeah. thing that they it's their routine yeah. I have to keep on going the first day classes cancelled I still had my studio booked at Cotswold Sports Centre I ran in with my mum got a tripod recorded all of our exercises that we'd, we'd been working on that term popped that up online and I thought this isn't going to work <laughs> then eventually we ended up doing zoom consistently for about a year and a half. We didn't stop after the first lockdown. We carried it on and then eventually sort of it fizzled out so much. I was like, right, let's cut it off now. Yeah, so we only stopped September, just gone. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> it was a long time. It was a long time. <laughs> and Josie, coming to you. So we, we actually had you on the podcast Oh, 18 months ago, give or take, yeah, after we did the, and it's it's quite a similar story in that we, we did the, the on Twitter, we did the World Cup of Arts, Culture and Heritage in Reading. Credit where credit's due, Liz, when we put the first lot out, Liz was like, there's no, there's no dance category. Uh, guys, and so we, the dance. We, we created a dance category and a few other categories to get to Outrageous. make sure the, the right numbers were out. And um, Reading School of Dance just hurtled its way through to the, the, the final. Um, so again, it, you know, you came to my attention through the, the popularity of, of what you do. So, for those who, who maybe didn't listen to that one particular edition 18 months ago, <laughs> tell us who exactly Reading School of Dance is. Firstly, I just want to say thank you again for doing the World Cup stuff, because it came at the perfect time for us. 
because everyone was going a bit quiet. It was so hard to advertise yourself and get your name out there. And it, it was just the moment that I needed. So, yeah, I just want to say thank you for, for running that. <laughs> it was really good. So You're very good. welcome. So, Redden School of Dance, we've been established for if you are nine years this year. Ooh. Just super exciting. Basically, we run dance classes for children. We mainly focus on street dance, but we also offer ballet and contemporary styles because our aim is to share our passion for dance with other people and also gives the children like another option. So rather than just focusing on school and things like that, if they're not doing well in school, it, it's another kind of way to show them that actually there is so much more that you can do because unfortunately in schools there isn't many dance classes. GCSE dance is is only in a handful of schools in mm. Medan at the moment. Um, so it's just nice to be able to open another door. And we've been really lucky enough to have students go on to big universities and dance colleges. And it, that's the reason why I set up the school is just because I wanted to be able to give that opportunity to others. The same opportunity that I got given. I've got dyslexia and I really struggled in school and there was just no way that I was going to be doing a nine to five job. And dance was the only option for me. So, yeah, that's kind of what we do we just want to create and give young students an opportunity to have a career in dance it's great that you do that and it it, 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 it is as you say you know there are there are those kids that aren't that academically and it shows that there is a future for them and that, that any way to get young people doing something creative and realize that there you know there is a way for them to to actually go further with the thing that they love uh, obviously we're talking about dance today but there's the same with you know the Rock Academy doing their thing in, in their corner and, and people like Berserk on the theatre side of things. Yeah. It's just wonderful that there is so much and, and, and that, you know, especially your part in, in giving that opportunity yeah. to the, the next generation, as it were. And I feel like dance is such a good thing for, like, the children's mental health and things like that. Like, especially after lockdown, you can see the difference. You can see the impact that it's had on, on them. So it's just a really nice way for them to express themselves in, in a positive manner. And it's great to be able to give them opportunities and things to look forward to. And it is that social element as well that you were talking about, Sonia, that you know, Josie and I have talked about this for years, but that, that when young people get out of school and they have to sit in class and they have to behave a certain way, that they suddenly have this whole other mini family that's there mm. that they see all the time. And that's where they talk about their mental health and they talk about stuff that's going on in their lives. Yeah. And... And yet, there's you know there wasn't a lot of support for dance teachers to manage all of that. Yeah. There's a there's a real lack of awareness of how impactful these art forms and all kind of creative activities can be. But there needs to be funding and investment to support those services to deliver that as well as what you're doing because yeah. yeah. it's a lot. You know, yeah. it's a lot to. Yeah, manage. we have a lot of students that go through a lot of different challenges, and we are the person that they do go to because we're not their mom or their school, school teacher. teacher you know they yeah. feel confident in talking to us and that is an amazing feeling but it's also as a dance teacher it's a lot to take on yeah so the support is really really needed yeah i can imagine just the extra burden of some of the stuff that you probably end up getting told in in certain circumstances and uh, i don't know how i would manage with that so it's yeah. so much more than just dance yeah and that, mm. that's the really amazing special thing about dance dance family yeah. yeah, yeah, it's used a lot because <laughs> it is. Yeah. And you have young people as well. I, I, 
oh, who was I talking to? Oh, Keris. I was talking to Keris mm. about the longevity of a person in a dance school that actually some dance schools have kids from the age of three mm-hmm. until 18 yeah. and they see them nearly every week for their entire lives yeah. and that sense of family is massively important it's a huge part of who they are and there are thousands of kids learning to dance in Reading yeah. thousands of them yeah. and I was talking to Damien earlier about how how unusual dance schools are because they often don't pop up on arts and cultural radars because you guys function as businesses mm, yeah. and you're not charities you're not arts organizations you yeah. are using a self-sustaining commercial business model that works and so you don't need grant funding although you should have it Um, you know (laughs) but it's it's a totally different model to organizations like us where we are entirely grant funded and go from project to project whereas you guys are offering ongoing regular sustainable arts activities that people value enough to pay for which is exactly the kind of model that all the other arts organizations need to be looking for as well to Mm. complement what they already do so Mm. that we have you know the whole spectrum and diversity of income sources for dance otherwise it's it's not sustainable Mm. the passion that you have for for you you know for for the dance sector is part of why you are so important to dance in in reading it's it's interesting because there isn't really anyone doing what dance reading does in any other sector there isn't an equivalent for for live music or for theatre arts or for visual arts or anything like that it's I'm not sure that's true. I think it depends how you look at us. So we're not in competition with dance schools. We do not offer paid classes and we never will. We're a charity. So our job is about getting people into dance. And if that means supporting dance teachers to have mental health first aid training, then that's what we'll get funding to do. Uh, So there are, so it's sort of almost like a development organisation in that sense. But we do run community programmes for people who maybe can't, pay to attend classes or as a pathway to paid classes but there are other organisations like Ready Pop who are kind of fostering that community engagement in music that will maybe lead those kids on to paying for music lessons there are sort of similar people who are developing the sector in their art form Um, yes I I suppose but I I guess I don't want to get too critical of someone like Ready Pop because they, they do do wonderful stuff but they're not quite as plugged in directly with the other music promoters in the same way that you're plugged in with lots of different dance schools and performance companies and so on so dance reading came about because a group of dancers producers and other dance interested people got together and saw a gap for exactly this kind of sector support organization and more platforms and pathways to get people trying something for the first time without those barriers in place Mm. that a paid dance school might struggle to do because they've got to pay the rent and the bills. Mm. Whereas if we can access funding to support people to go, oh, I'll try a bit of that. I'll go to a one-off taster class or I'll go and, you know, oh, there's someone dancing in the park. I'll see what that's all about. And then begin to love dance and then access this incredible network that's there as well as trying to make more performance happen so audiences start to love dance too because you don't just have to physically dance. You can watch it. (laughs) You you can sit back and enjoy it as an art form in itself. So that's the gap that we identified back in 2014. I was going to say, it's a long time ago now, hasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it has been a while. So we've been just gently building that up and being really careful not to undermine the existing dance network, but to try and just constantly support what's there because there is a really rich and diverse dance landscape already here. Mm. We just want to fill gaps and, and 
you know, enhance that and help it to thrive. I have only been a business owner, but I've been a dance teacher for quite a while in Reading. And I feel like there used to be this old school, we've spoken about this before, Josie, where there's this old school dance mentality where it's this school versus that school. We don't like them. And it's really nice because I think it could be down to your work, Liz. I just feel like all of us are friends. and yeah, <laughs> all, Like we're friends. We've got a nice big community of dance teachers. We've got an online Facebook group where we just chat. We help each other out we cover work and and things like that and I feel like the vibe has changed in dance businesses and the competition it's not so dog eat dogs it's it's we don't work for you go and check these guys out yeah oh what you're doing looks really good oh Josie that video is amazing and it's just we we boost each other up instead of slamming each other down which I think was the the tradition maybe 20 30 years ago in the dance industry and I think it's sort of it's because we've got that community yeah definitely a hundred percent like there is enough customers for us to all have yeah and it's better (laughs) and we're stronger when we work together Mm -hmm. for sure yeah We've kind of touched upon this uh, sort of individually, but it feels like it's a it's a good thing to, to sort of address, and that's certainly from from my vantage point. The uh, dance was one of the last things to really come out of of, of lockdown and out of COVID because it, as we, we we kind of said, it wasn't the thing that that worked necessarily in in Zoom manners as well as as doing you know say live stand up gigs or or you know theatre as film effectively. How has the sector sort of recovered? from from the pandemic well from our viewpoint i mean we're, we're unusual in that we were able to adapt to different spaces and design the programs we want to deliver so we kept going with community classes outdoors for as long as we could and we're astonished at how how readily people wanted to dance even if it was raining in the muddy ground shoes off didn't care it was fantastic and now classes are starting back up again and we're being very tentative and careful about that But I think there is a real hunger for people to get back into dance spaces and to meet one another again. But it will be you two that have seen the... Yeah, I definitely saw um, when doing the lessons online on Zoom, you know, numbers were going down, people weren't interested as much. But as soon as we came back, it was almost sudden. Like, so many people were getting in contact, like, we want to start this, we want to do this. It was like people were dying to get out there and just try something new. So yeah, I think we are slowly but surely recovering, but the impact, I think it's more for me is the impact that it's had on my students and just seeing like the confidence knock and things like that and their mental health changed a lot. I think like the main focus is actually more now about building up that confidence again and getting them to enjoy dancing in front of other people because they've been in their bedrooms for such a long yeah. time that even just that alone is being able to dance in front of other people in the flesh has been a challenge for them so I feel like that's where my kind of focus is right now is just building everyone's confidence back up and sharing that love for dance yeah my, mine was a half bounce back straight away (laughs) because my students are more vulnerable they're very tentative to come back so every time we've we've come back it's like yeah great I've got lots of people who are going to come and try it and then it just would happen that the week I'm about to start my lessons back there'll be a government announcement of something oh it's September and Covid's gone oh our figures are high again and then they pull out and it it just it was really exhausting doing that every single time because you have it's like you're launching a business Every yeah. time you come out of a lockdown, yeah. bear in mind in Reading we had the the four week one last 
like the Christmas before last yeah. as well. So that's draining. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just get in the swing of things. But now I've managed to be open from mid-May right the way it's it's they are so desperate it, it's yeah it's it's businesses couldn't be better at the mm. moment because i think everyone's so desperate to just get out and dance they've been waiting yeah. for so long and they're not hanging about anymore because yeah. they can't take it anymore <laughs> and and kind of just on on that point and i guess this is to both of you and and indirectly to any other people running dance classes who may be listening and it, it's can people just join at any point or is it that they have to start up at the start of a term or or because i guess that may be seen as a barrier it's just like well i missed the start of, in january so i've got to yeah. wait until may or something like that with mine you can join anytime i i run mine with school terms, even though it's none of them go to school and none of them have children in school. Maybe they have grandchildren, but we do it because it, it helps our brains. <laughs> um, and I, I set exercises for that whole ter- half term. So it could be five to seven weeks long. So it, it's easier to join the first or second week because it, everybody's on the same at the same yeah. place learning the exercises. But you can join on the last week of term. It doesn't matter. And then and then we wipe it completely clean, start fresh for the next term. Yeah, so any time. Yeah, it's the same with us it's open doors any week um it's only unless we're working towards something which normally we work with specific groups on things like that yeah so the rest of the classes yeah open doors anytime no pressure <laughs> so literally the door is open to anyone obviously age appropriate and style appropriate mm. to come and and learn how to dance with yeah. with with you guys or with with Indeed, any of the other wonderful dance organisations that are doing lots and lots of lovely dance classes all over Reading. And that feels like a good way to wrap things up. So, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Josie. Thank you. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you. And especially thank you, Liz, for not only giving your time, but also your house. (laughs) (laughs) You're very welcome. You can find details of all these and so much more dance stuff on the website. We'll be back next month with another podcast, so don't forget to subscribe.